Welcome to another episode of The Marrow Show, presented by Marrow Ministries, hosted by Luke Walker, Nate Kennecott, and Alexander Wade. everybody this is the marrow show i'm your host luke walker and i'm here with pastors alexander wade and nick kennicott we got a special episode coming your way you haven't heard from us in a little bit and that's because these guys have been out of country ministering the word abroad mm-hmm. so uh we want to take some time to talk about that and see how that went so brothers where were you guys on your on your trip together and we was out nigeriaizing you know what I'm saying? We was we was in Africa. We was in Nigeria, okay. bro. It was it was dope. It was my first time. All right. So, you know, for me, my experience probably is going to be a little different than how Nick would talk about it because you know he's he's pretty much uh, on his path to being being an African American technically. Uh, so uh, so he's been so many times, but so his experience will be different. But but yeah, Nigeria first time. It was dope. Okay, word. First time in Africa, then. Is that right? Yeah, man. First time in Africa. Never stepped foot on the continent. And then, man, as soon as I got there, man, I knew it was it was something. It was like um, uh, I don't know. It, it it was like I had vibranium in my system, and it was it was vibrating with the with the land frequencies. I don't mm. even know what I'm saying right now, but it was special. <laughs> oh, word. Yeah, I'm sure you heard the voices of the ancestors. It was, man. It, you know, you know, it, it was. Luckily, you know, the ancestors was they was just right there. They was walking around, they had sandals on. It was all good. So <laughs> <laughs> very good. Okay. Your first time. Pastor Nick, not your first time. You have some history in Nigeria. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, the ministry you have there? In two thousand ten, uh, I was trying to find a way for the church I was pastoring at the time to be involved in international missions. And we, we didn't have anything going on other than sending money to a few missionaries. And I wanted to get more involved, hands-on, more practical uh, work of missions. And I met a guy who had been traveling to Nigeria for several years, working with an orphanage and doing several other projects there. So I just tagged along with him that year. And uh, when we got there, worked at the orphanage, uh, went out to a bunch of bush camps, uh, some outreach evangelistic ministry with the Fulani Muslims. Um, And that was about 10 days. Went home, came back the next year and uh, did a hosted a pastor's conference. And we had about 100 guys show up for that. And we did a, a four day pastor's conference. It was very successful. It went really well. And there was a lot of interest. Uh, came back the third year and did another pastor's conference. We had about a double the number of attendees that time and realized at that point in 2012, uh, there is a lot of interest for what we're doing, but uh, the theological situation in Nigeria, West Africa, and Africa in general is um, it, it's problematic to say the least. And so we wanted to have a more lasting impact. So After my trip in 2012, I came up with a plan for a three-year training program for men who were either in or interested in being in uh, ministry. And so we developed a plan, um, and then I went back in 2013 
interviewed men and we started with our first class uh, for the Institute of Pastoral and Theological Training of 11 men. Um, after that, I went back 14, 15, and 16, and 14, 13, 14, and 15, I taught all of their classes while I was there. The remainder of them, they listened to lectures from Reformed Baptist Seminary that uh, let us use their lectures. Um, they listened to those lectures on solar-powered MP3 players, and then uh, we brought all the books. Uh, I had a team, different people each time, but a team of people, and so we'd bring all the books the men needed for uh, for their classes. Eventually, we switched that over to Amazon Kindle tablets um, and tried a few different ways of, of getting things to them a little more easily. 2016, we had our first graduating class, which was um, five men. Um, and that same year, I purchased a plot of land and we dedicated the land and uh, started a building project. And uh, I've gone back every year other than 2020 because of COVID. And for a stretch of years there, I was going twice a year. So uh, this was my 20th trip to Nigeria. Uh, since mm. then, our, um, our institute has graduated, um, uh, what have, I think, 11 people. We have, uh, we've had close to 80 students in the pipeline. Uh, several of them are, are well along the way, and we should have another graduating class here soon. Um, we have our academic building is near complete, three classrooms, library, administrative space. Our guest house for visiting lecturers is nearly complete, uh, four rooms and a big, great room for gathering, campus manager's office. And then this, this time around, we bought uh, a bunch more land, so I own about uh, two acres of land there have the property and have uh, have eight uh, faculty and staff members, and it just continues to grow. We had uh, we had over sixty students this last time gathering for classes while we were there. So, um, so that's it. the The basic uh, story is we've we've had a seminary going there since two thousand thirteen. So ten years later, uh, it's going well, and uh, keep going back, and the school keeps growing. So this, so so when you go, you mainly are doing work there. Then I'm guessing you do a little preaching. You got? Did you guys do preaching elsewhere, or did you mainly just teach when you were there? Yeah. So through the years, I've I've gone to many cities throughout Nigeria, all the major cities: uh, Abuja, Lagos, Port Harcourt. I've been up north to Kaduna. Um, I've been to Jos, Akwaibom, uh, Ibadan, all these cities, and I've preached in all. The different cities for conferences or at churches. Um, so we've we've done a lot of that. We've done several other pastors conferences. Uh, this trip we did preach, but not as not as frequently as I am used to. So maybe maybe Wade can talk about the uh, pastors conference we did and the uh, church planning efforts that are going on there. You know, man, first just getting there was it was like it, get, going anywhere is like off roading. You know, so it took us a while to get there. It was an arduous uh, journey to get there, but we get there. Eventually, the place fills up. Um, and man, it was great. You know, um, uh, I taught uh, all week. I taught two hermeneutics classes. And um, and so uh, at the pastor's conference, uh, I ended up uh, uh, preaching um, pretty much about hermeneutics. <laughs> so uh, so that was uh, helpful to kind of uh, be able to 
uh, have a, a constant theme while I was while I was there. And uh, man, overall, it was well received. We had some Q and A uh, at the end, uh, and there were some good questions uh, that came up. My favorite being, uh, "Do we have to use hermeneutics all the time? <laughs> Can we just, <laughs> you know, what if the spirit just tells me to say something?" Mm. And, you know, do, do I got to do this hermeneutic stuff all the time? Oh, man, it was great. It was great. That co- that question right. came up uh, not just at the pastor's conference. It came up in the classroom as oh, well. Word. OK, uh, right. so um, uh, which was which was good. I had fun answering that question. But, uh, man, it was it, it was uh, an honor to to get out there to be able to preach. I also preached at the church. Um, there's a, a, a faithful small church uh, right there in Egg Bay. Um, that a couple of the um, uh, guys from IPTT, uh, they lead that, well, I should call a fellowship. They're not constituted yet, uh, but a fellowship there uh, and was able to preach there uh, on Sunday. Uh, so those were my, those were our preaching opportunities, man. It was great. Okay. Well, for the school, IPTT, um, Nick, are, as the students, are they mostly guys who are already pastoring? Or are these young aspiring guys? Um, it's it's a mix. There it used to be mostly guys who were already pastoring, but now we have a good mix, which is really what we want. Um, and all ages, we have guys that are really young in their twenties. Um, one of our first graduates was in his sixties when he graduated. Um, so we have all ages and uh, different levels of involvement in ministry. Uh, some guys they're sent out by their churches more as evangelists. Some uh, missionaries uh, to, like I mentioned before, some of these bush camps. Um, and then some of them have been pastors for a while. One of our students is uh, is a king in his uh, in his community. Um, Hold on, you said he's a king, bro. He yeah, was, he was yeah. Wade, Wade secret, spent some time he, talking to him about it. Bro, he was he was in my class all week. Just chilling, silent. King in yeah. seminary class. Didn't say that he was dressed like a com the, like the common folks, yo. Like you, you wouldn't know. And here's the thing: oh. is you know the different tribes have different kings, you know. And so, um, if you're not a part of his tribe, you you it's a good chance you wouldn't know. And he was a newly appointed king. He had only been appointed king just a few months ago. So, no one there uh, had met him and knew him as the king of that specific tribe. So, man, he wanted to come and take the classes, but didn't want people to know. He was a king. He didn't want to be treated any differently. Um, so uh, you guys were together over there for about a week. This was like a shorter trip, it seems like, maybe. No, it was, it was uh, two weeks. We were there for two weeks. Two weeks. Um, so the basic uh, travel, your first uh, two and a half days really are just eating up with travel. So we flew from Miami to London, spent uh, spent the, about 12 hours in London, and then flew into Abuja, spent the day in Abuja getting these guys uh some clothes and whatever kind of things they wanted to shop around for. Um, I have some very good friends in Abuja, so we spent time with them and uh, got to show Wade Yeah, shout them out too, man. Don't, don't, don't leave them hanging. Yeah, so, uh, so Chris Okugu is one of them. Chris and I go back mm. several years. Um, he, uh, man, he visited me in the U.S. once, and then uh, he met a woman from Liberia and they came when I lived in Georgia, they came to Georgia and I married them in Georgia. So I married a Nigerian to a Liberian in uh, Guyton, Georgia. It was, uh, it was quite a thing. So, and then a year later she came by herself and lived with my family for about three months. 
um, when they were having their first child. Now they have three children and Lord willing, we'll be moving to the U.S. here uh, soon. The other is, is that Ed, right? Edwin, uh, Edwin Peppera, and Edwin runs a very, very successful um, uh, security company called Pepperspective, and they do uh, a lot like home monitoring security, and then they do security stuff for large institutions and hotels and things like that. So um, I've known those guys for quite a few years, have done ministry with them, and obviously one of them... Um, has uh, come and spent a lot of time with my family. So um, so while we were in Abuja, we spent time with them. That night we flew to Lagos and uh, got there and uh, went to bed immediately because we really hadn't slept for three days. And uh, Wade didn't go to bed until he first ordered a pizza, but then, uh, then he went to sleep. And uh, That's right. then That's right. uh, the next day we got up and went and did a radio, radio program, a radio broadcast. And uh, the fun thing about that was um, the radio station is actually owned by one of Africa's biggest named uh, Word of Faith Prosperity Preachers. He owns the station. Um, so we went there and our topic of discussion was, what is the gospel? So for an hour, we talked about what the gospel is um, and uh, Wade uh, sort of directed the conversation off uh, like he often does here with our show, and um, that goes out all across Nigeria and has wow. a very large listenership. So uh, that was fun. And then the next day we flew to Eloran um, and then drove uh, about two and a half hours on terrible roads to Egbe and then the pastor's conference after that and then class uh, after that. So it's a, it's a ton of driving, flying. You guys must have hated each other by the end of that. Getting close to it, you know what I'm saying? I, I'm <laughs> okay. still, you know, when I think about it, I'm angry that I'm looking and talking to Nick right now. You know what I'm saying? It's too soon. <laughs> you know, but yo, you know, he gave an accurate kind of cleft notes version of, of what happened. But man, I felt like there were like little mini adventures along the way, at least for me. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, it's my first time. So, you know, I'm, 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 uh, taking in every, every city we went to was a unique experience, you know. I think one of the things that stood out to me uh, was when we made it to Eloran, which is the last city that we visited before we made our way to Egbe. Um, uh, you know, Nigeria is weird because you'll be driving around and, um, you know, the I don't want to sound disparaging, but uh, but man, you know, there's there's a lot to be desired just in terms of just the, the general upkeep, you know, you see, um, you know, just impoverished folks and, and then man, you'll, you'll, you'll be driving around, you'll pull up, uh, to a, to a gate, you know, the gate will slide open and it's a big, like, you know, like a shopping plaza. And it looks like, it looks like all the money in Nigeria is in that plaza. Right. And, and so you pull up and you're like, Oh snap, what's going on, man. It's, it, it's popping over here. Right. So you get in there and then man, uh, uh, we drove there because there was a grocery store in there and then there was a Domino's pizza. Right. And I'm like, Oh snap, Domino's pizza. I can get me something that's familiar. First off, I want to let y'all know. Familiar, probably. No, nah, man, let me tell you the Domino's in Nigeria hits way better than the dominoes oh. here i'm not well, lying. it was saying a, much, but it was good. it ain't saying much but it's saying something mm. it's it's saying a lot more over there when 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 
when your food options are limited, bro. It was bad, 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 bad. You know what I'm saying? But but yo, but what threw me off wasn't the fact that I was eating Domino's. It was that <clears throat> you pull up to the Domino's, there's a DJ in front of the Domino's, like music blaring. I'm like, yo, what's going on? People walking into the Domino's, I'm talking the best they got on their best, best, not even their Sunday best. They got on their graduation clothes, their wedding clothes. They mm. they got on whatever the best thing that they own. They got it to go to Domino's. So I asked uh, Alami there, I said, yo, what's up with everybody? What's everybody dressed like this to go to Domino's? They got a DJ out front, you know, like <laughs> what's going on? You know, he explained it to me. He was like, yo, he said, you know, people don't have a lot of money out here. You know, many of the people uh, earn and live on less than two dollars a day. Mm. So and, and now the pizza don't cost less than two dollars. The pizza, the cost of the pizza is is not a lot cheaper than it is getting a pizza in the U.S. So if you could imagine, you know, what it meant for a guy to take his girl out to Domino's and spend $10, the equivalent of $10 uh, on a pizza. That's like a big flex. That's, that's a, that's a huge deal. That's like, that's like, I got you girl. You know what I'm saying? We can, <laughs> I can take care of you. Look at this pizza. Right. So, <laughs> so they go all out uh, whenever they go out, man. Cause, uh, cause uh, it really is a luxury uh, even to be able to go out and enjoy a nice uh, evening. Uh, at Domino. So, so that was cool, man. It was a cool little piece of, uh, cultural context. I got to take in, um, uh, while, while in the Lauren, before we got to egg Bay and they, they had no, they had no stores like that in egg Bay. Trip. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's fun. You got to go haggle and, uh, and do your best acting. I always enjoy that. Um, mm -hmm. I think, uh, Luke, maybe I can give a little, um, a little background, Wade brings up something about the economic situation that's actually really important to think about. And I, for any of our listeners who think about doing cross-cultural missions, um, I, I think it's really important that you always consider um, not just the culture and the customs uh, in terms of how people speak and dress and uh, what kind of foods they eat and all of that sort of thing, but also the big sort of everyday concerns of the people. And if you talk to any Nigerian, they're all going to tell you that in their top two things that they worry about every day, one of them is, uh, is the economy and their own financial situation. Um, so to just give some context, Nigeria to the, the best estimate is about a population of 230 million people. Now, think about that in terms of the United States has 320 million about, um, but Nigeria can fit inside of the state of Texas. And so you have, uh, you have more than half of the U.S. population size in a country in the state of, size of the state of Texas. Um, so there's not enough work for everybody by any means at all. And even when there is, um, the uh, the options for what a person can do are very limited. There, there's not like a whole range of services that people can afford. Um, so, you know, if you can if you can get work and make three, four, five dollars a day, you're doing quite well. Um, you know, Wade said two dollars or less a day, and that that is the vast majority of the population, and many of them less than a dollar a day. Um, when I started going to Nigeria in 2010, 
uh, $1 equaled 150 Naira. Uh, this last trip we were on, $1 equaled almost 1,100 Naira. Mm. Um, and that's steadily increased over the years and over the past year and a half, it has increased uh, rapidly. So, um, so yeah, the, something as simple as buying a pizza, man, that's, that's not like I spent everything I made today on you. Um, no, that's everything I've made over the last two weeks I've spent on this one meal. Um, so even the smallest things that a person can own and be able to purchase on their own is, is huge. Um, and of course, in any situation, in any culture, um, as economic desperation arises, uh, so does um, things like uh, crime and vandalism and things like that, because people start to get desperate. They want to feed themselves and their families, uh, and they, they don't know where to go. So Nigeria has a, a significant hustle culture as well. Anything a person thinks they can do to earn money, uh, they're going to step up and try and do it and hope, uh, you know, someone's goodwill will pay off in the end. So, um, so it's, it's tough to see in many ways. You know, I think probably over time I've gotten used to it, but I've never been desensitized to it because I feel for these people. It's a really sad situation to be in. Yo, how, um, how's, how are people surviving there? Well, um, local produce must be cheap, stuff like that. Yeah. So even that, though, I mean, if if you're going to have food for your family, a lot of times you're going to grow it yourself. If not, you're going to the market and the people in the market are selling stuff as low as they possibly can, just hoping to make a little bit of money, but they know if it's priced too high, no one can buy it. And so it's always this constant back and forth in terms of how much you can sell something for, for them to afford it and whether or not they'll buy it. So that's really tough. Um, a lot of people just depend on one another. You know, it, it'd be like if the three of us sort of lived in the same community and we're friends, um, you know, if, if I made a little extra money one month than you did, then I would give some to you to be able to afford what you need to do. And then next month, maybe, maybe you did the same thing. And, and there's always sort of this sharing uh, um, mentality, uh, financially, it's, it's much less individualized than it is here where I have mine, you have yours. And you know, that it's, it's more, uh, it's, it's probably more frowned upon here that you would ever ask someone to borrow money or to, to get a, you know, to get a handout if you will. Whereas there, it's just a sort of normal part of everyday life that funds are being traded back and forth. That's how they survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's Yo, beautiful. Let, let me let me give you an example because I know we gotta we gotta wrap up this episode, but um uh but this is where it was super telling for me, man. Was the school? You know, um, people came from all over. Some people came from over two hundred miles away to come and take these classes at IPTT while we were there. And uh, uh, many people don't have vehicles, so uh, we break midday for lunch. And so it would be impractical for a bunch of people to have to walk a long distance to go back into uh, the town uh, to try to find something to eat and then walk back. Right. And then resume classes. So uh, so uh, Nick and um, um, some other folks, I think they arranged for a lady from the town to come up to the school. Uh, and to prepare food uh, for uh, for everyone. So essentially like catering. And uh, man, 
you know, decent meal. I ate it multiple days, but, it, you know, a plate of rice, seasoning, spices in there, had a boiled egg, and then um, uh, a piece of uh, a protein of some sort, usually, right? Um, and so you could get this lunch. It would be for the equivalent of less than 50 cents is, is how much it would cost to get that plate, and nobody could afford it. Yeah, and that's uh quarter, and, that's, that's yeah bro so like after the after the first day you know um hardly nobody ate at lunch because they couldn't afford the lunch and once once we realized that then the school said oh we did you know <laughs> we're, we'll go ahead and make sure we just pick up the tab for the rest of the week uh so people can uh can have food um so uh so it was it, to that extent man where you 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 bring in a, a, a lady to cater for the week and the equivalent of less than 50 cents and folks didn't have it, you know, mm. they just, they were, and, they, and they weren't complaining about it. They were just like, man, this is what it is, man. We're here to learn. Like mm. we'll eat That's when wrong. we eat. <laughs> like it was crazy, man. Yeah. It, was, it, no, it was, it was dope. One of, one of the, uh, one of the significant challenges that I've had with running the school, starting it and keeping it going is, is the finances because, you know, most schools, you start a school, you you get tuition money from the students, you know, that's how, it, that's how it functions and whatever it is, it is, and students pay for it. And then it, it functions based on that. Well, everything we've done has been based solely on donations from uh, individuals and churches, mostly in the United States, a few uh, more wealthy individuals in Nigeria. Um, but, you know, our, one of the challenges we're facing as we look into the future is, um, you know, how, how, how long can we sustain this just based solely on donations? Because it's not, it's not a situation where we're ever going to have students who have enough money to pay a significant uh, tuition to where operating costs can be recouped. And so we've had to think of other ways that maybe in the future we'll be able to um, have uh, a constant flow of income from maybe a side business or something like that. Um, but we intentionally put the school where we did in a very rural community with, uh, with poor people with very little opportunities for education in order to give them something that they wouldn't otherwise have access to. So it's strategic in that sense, uh, but the challenge is the financial piece to it because right now our annual operating costs just to keep things going are close to $30,000 a year. Um, and that's on top of all the money we've had to raise to, to build our buildings and buy our land and, uh, and everything that goes into that, like transportation and all of those sorts of things uh, that become a challenge too. So the vast majority of my time spent on and in Nigeria now is uh, working through those kinds of issues. Um, shaking hands, kissing babies, all of that, doing all the political peace. Uh, that's a huge part of the job now. Um, meeting with local leaders, having meetings with our attorney, sorting out issues with them. Um, it's all, it's everything in Nigeria is extremely relational. Any transaction of any kind requires a relationship. And so um, one of the things I love about having guys like Wade and Chris come with me is that I can give them the opportunity uh, to teach and it frees me up to be able to do everything else that needs to be done. Otherwise, I couldn't, couldn't cram it into two weeks. There was just way too much going on. So 
Um, so that's that's a big that's a big part of the uh, mission now, and it's a challenge. So if anyone's listening and they want to know more about what we're doing and want to know how to support it, please reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk to you more about it. And thank you for your services, Alexander Wade. Uh, all right. Well, that's uh, that's the time we have today. So thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, this has been The Merrill Show, Pastor Luke Walker with Pastor Alexander Wade, Pastor Nick Kennecott, and we'll catch you guys next time.